Market View on Money FM 89.3. Well, regional markets this Monday found some sort of stability from more encouraging macro data from China. And the trifecta of numbers showed that industrial production and retail sales both grew at a fa- more than what economists surveyed by either Bloomberg or Reuters were expecting. Industrial production growing by 3.5% in the month of October out in mainland China. Retail sales also jumping 4.9% higher today. And while fixed asset investment only came in at 6.1%, it was just a hair below what economists were mostly expecting. Still, these are some of the lower numbers we've seen from China's uh, manufacturing and retail and consumption sectors in the last couple of months and also point at a potential slowdown that is really afoot in the world's second largest economy. To help us make sense of this data from China and some concerns about a possible slowdown in the Chinese economy, we're joined today on the line by Mr. Tommy Wu, who's a lead economist at Oxford Economics. He joins us all the way from Hong Kong to help us make sense of China's latest macro data dump and some of these slowdown concerns. Mr. Wu, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times. And welcome back to the show, sir. Hope you're having a good Monday. Thank you, JP. All right. So tell me, give us your impressions of uh, China's latest macro scorecard. We did talk about industrial production and retail sales impressing or being higher than what many were expecting. But again, these are some of the lower numbers we've seen in recent times, actually. What does this tell you about the worries of a potential slowdown in the world's second largest economy, Tommy? Uh, Yes, indeed. These numbers are slow. And um, even though um, the retail sales numbers seems to be uh, higher than uh, many people's expectation, but I want to say that in nominal terms, they're still growing at about 4.9% year on year this month. Uh, I mean, in October. But if you look at the real terms, uh, meaning that after you, after you adjust for inflation, retail sales actually slowed to 1.9% year on year in October from 2.5% uh, because of the dampening effect by uh, renewed restrictions and also weak consumer sentiment because of another wave of COVID outbreaks in China. Now, another thing that uh, I would worry about is the fixed asset investment side of things because um, we estimated that uh, on a year on a year basis for October, the month of October itself, it actually contracted by 2.9%. Most of it is because of uh, the real estate downturn. Mm-hmm. You know, Tommy, a lot is being made about the energy shortage that's also hit China's manufacturing sector, sending commodity prices spiraling. But I do want to ask you, since you've been looking at this more closely than most of us have, how is this potentially stroking, stoking some of these headwinds in China? And the follow-up is also, is this also partially of China's own doing as officials try to meet some of those environmental targets out there? Now, energy shortage was in part because of the local governments trying to meet environmental targets, but also this is because there's a, there has been a shortage of coal supply. Um, I would say that while this is an ongoing issue, it's probably lesser of a problem now because we have seen coal supply coming back up uh, quite strongly, actually. If we look at the inventory numbers uh, in the end of September, it can only meet about uh, two weeks of demand, whereas now it's it, it can actually meet over three weeks of supply. So there's uh, some uh, strong pickup in, in, in inventory. Um, what's worrying me a little bit more is, uh, is from the price side of things, because there are higher uh, producer prices and also a higher uh, 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 transmission of uh, higher power prices to industrial uh, producers. So this will have an impact on, on their profits. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Tommy, I, I, let me touch on that, actually, because you ha- mentioned higher producer prices. When we looked at the consumer, uh, the CPI, at uh, the uh, inflation data from China last week, actually, we saw that uh, producer prices or factory gate inflation was at their highest in about three decades, if I'm not mistaken, 13.5% higher. But when you look at consumer prices, yes, it ticked up, but only by 1.5%. Can you help us understand, perhaps, why there seems to be a disconnect between the inflation that factories in China are facing versus, say, the Chinese consumer is facing at the moment and why it doesn't seem to be passing through? as well. What might be shielding or insulating Chinese consumers from these broader inflationary pressures that the factories are facing? Most of the producer price inflation uh, has to do with commodity prices, which we have seen surging globally. Um, So a lot of the prices are actually, uh, uh, price increases are seen in heavy industry, whereas the downstream uh, industries haven't seen as much of a producer price inflation. And, and, and that's why the pass-through to, uh, say, consumer goods uh, is much smaller. Now, the other thing about consumer prices is because um, uh, food is a, a, a very big component of com- uh, consumer prices. And actually, food, has been, food prices have been dropping uh, because mm-hmm. of uh, dropping food prices, uh, pork prices in particular. Um, there has been a... Uh, if we can recall, um, last year there has been a huge surge in pork prices because of shortage of pork because of the uh, African swine through swine disease, and this problem has been resolved, and that's why we're seeing a plunge uh, in, in pork prices, and that has been causing the uh, rather subdued uh, consumer price inflation. Okay, we're still speaking to Tommy Wood, lead economist at Oxford Economics here in Money FM 89.3, making sense of some of these slowdown issues out in China. Now, Tommy, I do want to talk about that thing you addressed a while ago, the address, uh, the ongoing concerns regarding the property sector there, specifically sparked by China Evergrande's recent debt woes. And the funding rules may be eased for the sector, and at least in Evergrande's case, they're already finding ways to meet some of these overdue bond payments. Based on what you're tracking, have things started to ease on this front, or are there still big economic risks and financial conditions? potentially from this sector that uh, a huge part of the economy there is actually tagged tag to it? I think the, there's still uh, ongoing risks, definitely, both on the economic front and also on the financial front. Uh, but I think because there are ongoing uh, targeted easing, so at least on the, uh, on, the, on, the, on the risk of a sharper slowdown of the economy, I think uh, this is something to watch for. Uh, because there's a real chance that the authorities could be behind the curve. But um, given that, you know, we've heard a lot of good news from the easing, targeted easing front, I think uh, this will help alleviate some of the risk. But I think that overall, uh, there won't, I, I still won't expect a broad easing of, say, the so-called three red lines policies on leverage ratios. And that means the real estate sector will continue to uh, the leverage into next year or so. So, you know, there's still lots of uh, downside risk and uncertainty surrounding the real estate sector. Okay. You know, this gives us a lot of context with regards to the slowdown in mainland China, and perhaps just a bit of stability based on these better-than-expected numbers here, Tommy. But I do want to ask, should regions, based on what you're seeing, in, in fact brace for a slower Chinese growth engine? And how bad could it hit the broader region, specifically also here in Singapore? Now, uh, certainly a slowdown in China's growth would be affecting, uh, affecting the region. But we have to see uh, which type of industries 
uh, that will be affected the most because China's growth slowdown is mainly in, in real estate and also in household consumption, but less so on, say, manufacturing and exports. So for countries that export capital goods such as uh, machinery and equipment, also semiconductors, I think their demand from China will perhaps still be relatively uh, robust or, or less affected. So, so a slower growth in China may – obviously, it doesn't bode well for Singapore. But I will not be uh, overly pessimistic just yet. Now, for, com- for commodity exporters, especially those that export um, iron ore, steel, uh, any construction-related commodities, I would be more worried. Uh, but those that export, say, energy-related commodities, such as coal, natural gas, I think they will continue to benefit from the demand from China. All right, Tommy, you know, we uh, seldom talk about the health of the Chinese consumer, but given how fast they've grown in the last couple of years, I think we have to address this. And of course, this also coming a week after that momentous Singles Day done and dusted. How have you been tracking what happened last week during the Singles Day sales? And are there any lessons that economists can glean with regards to the Chinese consumer based on some of the data that was just released? Well, the retail sales numbers from Singles Day, um, they still look pretty decent. Uh, But as I've mentioned, um, in in real terms, uh, uh, retail sales growth has actually dropped. And and this has to do with uh, more frequent uh, and widespread COVID infections. And also because of the zero tolerance approach that China uh, continues to take. And this means that uh, overall, uh, China's household consumption will continue to be uh, constrained because if we expect, you know, there will continue to be uh, COVID infections, and if China continues to take a zero, appro- zero tolerance approach, then obviously a lot of the uh, travel uh, consumption activity uh, will be restrained because of that. So I would expect this will continue to be a downside risk to China's growth uh, well into next year. All right. So a couple of potential factors that might uh, mean a slower Chinese economy in terms of growth over the coming months, though. I'd like to thank Tommy Wu, lead economist at Oxford Economics, for joining us today on Money FM 88.3 to talk about China's latest macro scorecard. Tommy, as always, I wish you and your loved ones continued health and safety during these times. And we look forward to next time you can join us on the show. Meanwhile, stay safe, sir, and hope you're having a good start to the week. Thank you. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.